Hello and welcome to Babelfish, the podcast for non-believers. Humanists, freethinkers and atheists tell me their life stories. They share their challenges and the work they do for humanism and human rights. You can support Babelfish by donating money through tenor.dk. You'll find the link in the episode description. It's up to you how much money you want to donate per episode. It's your choice and I'll be grateful for any donations. Hello and welcome to this episode of the podcast where I'll be talking to Moses and I'm in uh, Kenya, Nairobi. Uh, for the moment, uh, maybe you can present yourself. I'm happy to meet you. You too. My names are Moses Adesala. So, I'll tell you my experience and how I came to be a humanist. Yes. So, when I was still a small child, Around four or five years, I started questioning. Yeah, and that was early. Yeah, yeah. I had a question in mind. For example, I could ask my parents, where did the where the children come from? Yeah. Then they they would tell me that when when they cook, when they are cooking food, mm-hmm. some of children emerge from the, the that ashes from the. <laughs> Good story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I could wait to see children emerging, but I, I did not see anything. Yeah. But I could hear children are being born other yeah. places. So I started doubting. I always wanted to know the truth. And so whenever I went to church, I could be told about how how God created Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. And how he removed the rib and made Eve. I believe those stories at first, but later on in life, I started doubting them. But essentially, when I was a child, I remained in that confused state. But I kept questioning. Yeah. Yeah, at times I could even cry whenever I realized that we live and then eventually we die. Life is so useless. I think we should spend life trying to, to, to figure out how we came about and the purpose for why mm. you exist. Yeah. Yeah, it it put me in a certain state of inquisitiveness. Okay. Yeah. So later on I I I tried to find out on my own. Yeah. How yeah. old were you? So it was around when I was in primary. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I started listening to other viewpoints apart from Christianity and my parents. Because you are Christian raised? Yes. Uh, Protestant or Protestant? Protestant. Yeah. So in school we learned about Buddhism. So I was keen about Buddhism. I learned about Gautama Buddha. Mm-hmm. I learned about his middle school, the middle way. Yeah. yeah and I, I was so much attracted to that philosophy. Mm. And then it's a kind of, I think, mantra or something in Buddha where they say, I go to Buddha for refugee. Yeah. I knew, I came to know about all that. Even though I was in a village school where there's no exposure, but that interest made me know so much about Buddhism, so much about Hinduism. And then I did all that with the interest of wanting to know 
where did we come from? What is the purpose for life? Then I also came across science, where they were talking about man evolving from lower animals. Yeah, the evolution theory. And how the universe works. So I, I, I got keen interest in science because science was providing evidence every time they came in. An explanation for something. They, they try to provide evidence, and that's what I wanted. Yeah. You wanted a proper explanation yeah, instead proper of the stories. Yeah, the, with yeah. evidence, yeah. and also a place where I can be able to question, not just to accept without mm. without any purpose. Yeah. So I said, now science will be, it seems science is now the way to me finding about out about the world and where we came from, the universities. Yeah. So I got to read more and more of science. I was in primary, but I was reading about advanced concepts in science. Yeah. yeah. By the time I was in secondary, during in secondary, I was reading relativity, quantum mechanics. How old are you when you are in secondary? Around 18 years. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was reading about relativity, quantum mechanics. That's advanced. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I read all that. Uh, things like the Big Bang. Yeah. Yeah. As a way of um, trying to provide the information to the universe. But then somehow I found uh, to get to know more about the, the, the universe and the world, I needed to get further. To explore further, so I got into philosophy. I started reading philosophy. Mm. Yeah, so I bought some books. I bought another book called A Hundred Years of Philosophy, written by an Australian. I read it. I bought another book called um, History of Western Philosophy by Bertrand Russell. Yeah. Yeah. That's I read uh, it. It's a well known book. Yeah. yeah. I bought another book called um, Sartre, His Philosophy. Oh, Jean Paul Sartre? Yes, oh. yeah. from France. Yeah, I liked his philosophy because it was it was a bit cohesive. Mm. Whereby he tries to, to give another to everything. I wanted a philosophy which can give another to everything. Yeah, yeah. So I I read uh, especially that book, A Hundred Years of Philosophy. I liked it because it was much comprehensive. And towards the end, I read about these people called the analytical philosophy of language. Yeah. Yeah. Which I found very impressive. But my, my quest to find answers was <laughs> was uh, unquenchable. It was so great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had an indistinct mind, and it also helped me to, to, to be bright expected at school. Especially reading philosophy made me to be so good at mathematics. Yeah, and that's interesting because in many years ago, yeah. philosophy and mathematics yeah. combined, yeah. combined them. Yeah. And people were studying both uh, in the early days. Yeah. yeah. So I became so exceptional, I could get distinctions in mathematics. And all these other subjects, I became very good because every time my mind was trying to question things. Mm. So I said, I, I want to come up with my own 
theory. Okay. <laughs> yeah, my own theories to try to explain how the universe came about. Okay, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. And see how it fits with what science and philosophy. Yeah. Okay. Apparently, I found the ideas of the analytical philosopher of language to be the most attractive. Yeah. So I built from there. Okay. I built my idea from there. Because according to them, they say that when you ask questions like metaphysical questions, like how did the universe come about? It's because you don't understand your language. Oh, yeah. yeah. So instead of someone answering you, how the universe came about, she should show you that you don't understand your language. So that you stop asking. The moment you realize that you know, it's because you did not understand your language, that's why you asked. You would stop asking. So, Bertrand Russell uses an example there in that book where he says, when someone asks, how did the universe begin? It's because he does not understand the meaning of the word begin. Yeah. Beginning okay. means the end of something. And <laughs> that transition of, yeah. uh, between the end of something and the beginning of another. Transition. Yeah. So when you say how did the universe begin, you are presupposing that there was some event before. Yeah. You see. So which what's ended the Big Bang? Yeah, yeah. Which ended for the universe to begin. Yeah. You see. Yeah. yeah. So um it says that the word beginning cannot be used in that context. You see? Yeah. yeah. So once you understand that you will not be able to ask how did the universe begin? You have to ask something else. Yeah, because yeah. beginning as we know it is when something ends and another begins. So when we talk of a a beginning where there's nothing prior to it, there's no such thing. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So a person should never ask how did the universe begin? Yeah. You see. So I found those type of arguments <laughs> attractive. But again, the type of philosophical mind I had, which I had totally sharpened, mm. I found them inadequate now, according to me. <laughs> so I said, <laughs> they are good, but I can build on it, them and yeah. improve on them. Okay. So I said that um, my argument was this. The reason why we, we ask why the universe is there is because we see it. We believe it exists. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, the best thing would be to prove that it actually exists. Yeah. Because here is a case where we believe the universe exists without a proof. Mm. Um, so, can we prove that it exists? Because if we try to prove that it exists and found it doesn't, we would stop asking. <laughs> so, it, yeah, was also, it was also my own. <laughs> Argument building on that, <laughs> an improvement of that. Mm. Yeah. So I came up with the way of trying to prove that the universe either exists or doesn't exist. Okay. Uh, what I could call, um, try to falsify. Yeah. yeah. The way Karl Popper puts it. Falsification. Mm. My own way of it. Yeah. So I said, let us try to remove everything from existence and see what remains. That is the best way. You see, if nothing remains, it means it's possible to, call, to, 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 to believe that nothing exists. Yeah. So we start by the objective world. Objective world. 
objective world, it's easy to get rid of it because nobody has ever proved that it exists. So, <laughs> that's gone. <laughs> we remain the subjective. Yeah. Yeah. So, the subjective, um, this is right, subjective, um, you can try to diminish it. Eh? You see? Yeah. Just mentally, <laughs> try to, to diminish yourself until you go out of existence, subjective. Yeah. You see? Yeah. So that nothing exists. So nothing but the moment exists. you do that, mm. you'll end up with nothing exists, which is actually something, and you can never do that. No. Yeah. So in the end, I said that um, wh- what exists is neither something or nothing. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Because even when you get rid of everything, mm. somehow consciousness emerges. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it lies somewhere with the boundary of nothing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So again, that simply means that we have to stop asking philosophical questions and live in the now because consciousness is the only real okay. thing. And then. Um, but I'm not meaning culture in the in the matter of the soul or anything. No. no. <laughs> so that, that that realization that we are alive in the now. That's the only that's thing the that is yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. the only thing that is real and we have to appreciate the now and leave it to the full. Mm. That's the purpose of life. Yep. Living yeah. in the now. Yeah, yeah. living in the now and uh, so essentially I found that philosophy and the and philosophy and science mm. and questioning is actually the best way to approach life. And I also appreciate what, what science are doing right now, trying to come up with solutions to mm. diseases yeah. and all types of problems. Yeah. Because if you are stuck in religion, you would not be able to, to appreciate the advantages of the modern world. Because you will focus on yeah. the belief and praying yeah. instead yeah. of the science. But again, I feel that that's not enough. Okay. Science has to, 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 to embrace psychology. Yeah. Yeah. When we move scientifically alone, we'll be advancing so many gadgets, but our social life is so much evil, so mm. much discord. Is that aspect of psychology? Mm-hmm. Which science do not leave behind because yeah. if we leave behind, religion is going to come tight yeah. and use it to their advantage. Yeah, we have to make sure that we can advance with yeah. the technology. Yeah, psychologically. Yeah. yeah, so psychological phenomenon, psychological diseases, and uh, maladaptation will be uh, catered for by science as much as the technological. Aspects. Yeah. yeah. So, even is taking advantage of that and it's misusing it. Mm. For example, here in Africa, the issues of witchcraft. Yeah. Yeah. People are using it to hurt each other. But it's because that has been left by sand as a gray area. Mm. You see? Yeah. The only thing some people come up with is to condemn witchcraft. Mm. But we should go further than that. We should analyze the phenomenon, yeah. know what brings it about, yeah. why it happens. Yeah, and why do people believe yeah, in it? Yeah. 
know. <laughs> because the moment you say, oh, you say they, they are crazy, they are backward, mm. it may not be like that. It's to just, they are trying to give an explanation to something they cannot verbalize. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you need to dig into and yeah. see mm. why do you believe, why, why do they believe in it? Yeah. And uh, continues, and what it, what happens yeah. also with the person. We also know that placebo has an effect with yeah. medicine. Yeah. People are not getting medicine, they're yeah. getting placebo, yeah. and they're still feeling better. Yeah. So there might be something yeah. at the same at stake within yeah. this area. So I felt that uh, if someone can delve into that and know the causes, mm. it would be very easy for someone, a psychologist, yeah. to take charge and and give therapy to those people who believe in suspicions. Mm. Actually, the people who believe in suspicions, the solution to them is not um, just uh, logic as such, but uh, psychological mm. therapy as much as logic. Yeah, and if you just condemn them, yeah. they will they will not yeah go they will not discuss and or talk to yeah. you. Mm. They will just be yeah. And I feel that that's the role of uh, humanism. Mm. Yeah, and um, personally, I felt I want to dedicate the rest of my life, so to speak, mm. to writing. Yeah, and doing research. Okay. Yeah, so I've accumulated the library at my place. Like the number of books. Yeah. I want to combine that with research online. Yeah. Yeah, I want to do it as a label of love to put some yeah. books and materials behind to share my thoughts with other people. Yeah. So at what point because you were studying and science and the philosophy, at one point did you say I'm a humanist and I will and and when did you become open about it? Okay, I found that uh, it's only in humanism where you can be allowed to question. Yeah. Yeah, I have a question and attitude. Yeah, that's what attracted me most. Mm. In religion, I would not be allowed to question. Yeah. In humanism, I'm allowed to question mm. all beliefs, including yeah. the, the humanist belief itself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when did you tell your Tell your, when did you tell your parents that you were uh, not believing in a god? Oh, my parents, apparently, my mother is a pastor. Huh? Yeah, so it's a very religious community. Yeah. community. Yeah. Uh, second, she's not very educated. Mm. She went up to class six. Uh, yeah. And here in, in Africa, especially in the villages, it's very difficult to, take, to tell someone that you don't believe in God. Yeah. They see you as a madman. Yeah. <laughs> the belief in God is so strong mm. that the other possibility yeah. that one cannot believe in God does not even it's not even given too much. Mm. Uh, for a Westerner, it may be difficult to understand. Yeah. But in Africa, there's no room for for discussion because I, when I was growing up, I remember. My father used to, to relate us, to tell us another story. Mm. That he, there were times when they went to church, a madman could come and stand outside the church and then shout at the pastor, say, You are a liar, God does not exist. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, okay. You could do that yeah. over and over. Okay. Then one day you're struck by lightning and yeah. you die here. <laughs> <laughs> so that was God. Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up listening to that story <laughs> But so it's easy but then it's easier for them to understand if you believe in a different God than yeah, your own. Yeah. Yeah. My sister is a Hindu and they have no problem with that. Okay. You can believe in any God. <laughs> Just not, not no God. Yeah. yeah. But when you say you don't believe in God. Mm. So how did they how did they So react? I never opened up okay. my parents just okay. to say I don't believe in no. God. You see? Okay. Yeah, but there was a time someone was reading whatever I was posting online on Facebook. Mm. You know, I have so many friends on Facebook, so I, do, I don't know who reads. So I told my mom, and one day my mom told me, called me. He said, I have heard that you joined some people, bad people, from bad Uganda people. who don't believe in God. Mm-hmm. But do you really go to church? So she was very annoyed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But the rest of the family, they know. Yeah, okay. Over time, people get to know, in a way, yeah. Yeah, especially if you are active yeah. in the humanist organization. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the rest yeah. of the family come, but it's difficult. Yeah. It's difficult because uh, Africa is a religious, mm. very religious yeah. society. Yeah. Mm. There are so many problems, and people seek religion as an answer. So growing up in Africa, where problems are all over, and religion is the answer. Mm. When you you, 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 you you state that you are you don't believe, life becomes quite a lot. Yeah. There are some places here in Nairobi where there are churches all over a small place like this. Mm. This yeah. room there are almost ten churches. Okay. Yeah. Kawangware. Not a lot. Yeah. yeah. There are people from the western Kenya, they are very religious. Yeah. And I'm also from this side. Okay, you're also from the western side, yeah. So um, which challenges have you faced since you are a humanist? Challenges is um, getting people who share with you a vision. Yeah. When you start an organization, you think that you, you are surrounded by humans. Mm. Yes. Yet they are, they are quite few people. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Yeah. And yet an organization, you need to have people. That's true. Yeah. But if you are starting something which is not many people are not attracted to and you assume that many people are attracted to, when you move ahead you get challenges. Yeah. Challenges of who are the right people I can work with. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and who will be active and yeah, for a long time. Some yeah. are just for short term interest. Yeah. When they go their way, mm. it is yeah. Okay. I like religion which you, you have a large pool of people to select. Yeah. Yeah, and you need to create some sort of community for the humanists yeah. to be in. So that's why I say that uh, when it's, it's after the population of mm. unfettered humans have come up, that's when the umbrella body will be vibrant. Yeah. 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 Than just have anybody. Mm. Yeah. People. Who, who are there for the long time? Yeah, exactly. Have you faced any challenges from society? 
Ya. Ya. Society generally, you are looked at differently. Your profess disbelief. Oh, and also, since most conversations, most friends are religious, there's that awkwardness when you find you are within a setting of religious people. You see? Uh, because conversations, so all conversations tend towards religion and God and God and God. Okay. So you find participating in those conversations become different. Yeah. And also, like teaching critical thinking. It's easier to teach critical thinking if you don't say you, you are an unbeliever. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I remember that experience the time, some time back, mm. some years back. Yeah. People would be interested, they want to know about critical thinking. By the moment you say, you introduce your unbelievers. So this is the thing that unbeliever people do. Mm. So people lose interest in yeah. that. Just because you are but if you just go and yeah. teach mm. without stating that, you find people appreciate it. This is very good knowledge. Bring more of it yeah. to okay. us. Yeah. Yeah. So people want to, to, to learn critical things. They find it to be something good. As long as they can do it within their religious yeah. belief. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But the moment you introduce that topic, even when you talk, they still just keep questioning. They will not now pay attention to what you are teaching. Now they they be so much concerned about why you, you don't believe and so the whole issue of critical thinking is told that side. Yeah. Okay. And I find that's also a challenge when you try to carry out any humanist project mm-hmm. and you you put atheism at the front. People divert their attention. From the project to this, so they keep questioning why you are you are like this yeah. one, yeah. and whether even this project is good, if it's the type of project that's being done by this type of person. Okay. So the whole thing cannot happen now. Attention is focused on this, but when you just bring it, the language you teach humanism without stating that, atheism or non-belief, people say it's so good. <laughs> yeah, it's In my country, good. most would say that they are all humanists. Yeah. But they are also religious, some of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, so how? What? Which projects have you been? Pardon? Which projects have you been? Uh, I've held conferences. Yeah. Uh, trainings on critical thinking. In schools, or is it in schools, or is it just trainings you invite people to? Workshops. Workshops. Okay. And yeah. Say a few schools. Because there aren't any, like in Uganda, there are some humanist schools. Yeah, don't in have Uganda there are humanist schools, but I'm planning to set up. Yeah. I bought some land in Maasai land there. Mm-hmm. So people are very keen to have a school. Yeah. So like in this year, we are going to put up a structure, just a single structure for small kids. Then from there, we are going to build up into... Yeah. One of another challenge has been resources. Lack of resources. Yeah, yeah, I could imagine that you have. Because not, I you don't have that many resources. Get to into the, my own yeah. pocket just to acquire that piece of land to put up that. Yeah. 
So have you been facing other challenges? You know, have you been in the media or have there been any? No, cases? I I avoided. Uh, yeah. I, I was not keen to go to the media, to uh, the family background, yeah. <laughs> which is very very dangerous. Mm-hmm. And two. Um, I, I just feel that um, there's still time for media. Yeah. <laughs> and the whole concept of humanism has to be consolidated. For example, there are so many people who don't understand what humanism is, including people in Kenya who claim to be human. Yeah. So it's possible to go to the media and give a view of humanism or atheism, which is not the standard view, mm-hmm. and then give that wrong impression. Which correctly later on becomes. So I was feeling that essentially humanists, I think, we need to work together to be strategic in how we want the media to view us and how we know that. Yeah, work on those aspects. Yeah, first, and then yeah. grow organically. Yeah. yeah. Do you see a change in the young generation towards, are they becoming less religious and more open to humanism? Yeah, I see a change of um, people becoming less less religious, but uh, it's not something that going to happen quickly. The people are becoming less religious, tiny percentage, but it's happening. Yeah, so it's really slow. Yeah, it's happening. Yeah. Do we have a lot of? Uh, do we have some young? Humanists that are active. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And also thinking that we need to use the religious way of carrying out humanism. Yeah. Uh, so in other words, we should try to look for ways for attracting people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although there are some people who argue that you should not do that. It's just be about logic. If you can show someone that man evolved from from a man to a monkey to from these other primates to mm-hmm. this modern form, yeah. you can show that logic will convert. But I feel that's not enough. Yeah, it must be difficult for some people to comprehend yeah. evolution yeah. when they come from a very religious background. Yeah. yeah, so I was thinking the best way to win over people is to create a social context which is attractive. See, like religion will attract you through music, to attract you through their literature, their way of life. Yeah. It's a whole... It's a holistic uh, cultural atmosphere which they create. Yeah, it's a community yeah, feeling, right? Yeah. That it's because this is where you then meet your friends and yeah, have family yeah. and that be together for yeah. covering all parts of your life. Yeah. yeah. Humanists, we still don't have that. No. And also, once we reduce our arguments to simply to attacking religion, it makes us look cheap. It's like we exist because of religion. <laughs> yeah. On our own, we have nothing else to do. Yeah. So, but if we create that kind of atmosphere, 
after someone can come to find an ideology to which he can belong. Yeah. And so it's more like showing it yeah. the whole holistic picture. Yeah. And have projects showing humanism. Yeah. yeah. Because I remember when I was growing up, I spent most of my time within that atmosphere of missionary my mother could go to the mission all women could bring their children to the mission they were given food there free food yeah so you could i grew up moving to that church music it was a community atmosphere reading the bible it was, and it was, nice it was being such a culture yeah. yeah yeah you feel nice being yeah. there it's a culture mm. where you find your belonging and I, I find humanism you are still lacking like that. Yeah. And also if you leave behind women, humanism is not likely to go far. Women women are very powerful in making a movement go forward. Mm. It's what has made religion actually establish itself. Yeah. Because when they come with their children they nurture them then she will not ask Yeah, so they are front runners yeah. and changes. Yeah. yeah. So the if we want to make it sustainable, we may need to create that strategy. Mm. Yeah, strategy where we create that type of atmosphere. Okay. But you think it's a growing movement, even though it's really, really slow? Yeah, it's a growing movement because at least now people are hearing about it. Yeah. I get phone calls. People tell me. You want to join your 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 organization, Kenya Human Association. You have heard of Freedom Human Association. Like they say, lawyer was calling yesterday. You want to be part of? He has read about it. Um, is it the social media that has given up? Yeah, he called me and said, yeah, you you, uh, you, you know about Mumia? I said yes. <laughs> then he told me, yes, very radical. <laughs> I want an organization which is humanist. Like the one you are with, so he has been wanting to meet. He has been wanting to meet, to meet me. So the intention is to bring so many people on board who are keen to be part of the movement and to make it right. Yeah. Okay. That sounds great. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Okay. Interesting to hear your story as an early starter in studying science and I find that's interesting. In the next episode I'll be talking to Ruth. We'll be talking about fairy tales, Bible stories and the constitution of Kenya. I'm producing this podcast at my own expense, which means I will be forever grateful for any donations through tenet.dk. If you want to be a sponsor of the podcast and be mentioned in it, please contact me. Thank you for listening. You'll also find Babelfish on Facebook and you can find me on my blog and on Instagram. Follow the links in the episode description. Until next time, be a happy human.